Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. I'm Doug. And I'm Joe. And before we get to the cigar, we're just randomly talking about stuff and stretching and trying to, <laughs> yeah, trying to get in shape, realizing, <laughs> trying to figure out how old we're actually getting physically mm-hmm. versus mentally and that sort of thing. Not that you need to know that, but it was a fun behind-the-scenes conversation. All while smoking cigars. Yes. You know, it's a healthy activity. So, <clears throat> we have in our hands, though... An interesting cigar that's been probably lit more than five minutes. It is the Christoph San San Andreas Churchill. Um, Ran $8.50. And uh, here's what we know about it. The San Andreas is covered with a flawless, oily, and deep brown Mexican San Andreas wrapper. Hence the Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which it's sort of popular. I mean, you're, they're popularizing that when you when you buy them, it means something. Okay. Even though I'm not sure exactly what it means. Inside is an Ecuadorian Habano binder, as well as tobaccos from the most fertile growing regions of Nicaragua. We sh- it should be medium to full bodied. <clears throat> I think we're I think we're there. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, I didn't realize when I pulled it out of my humidor or when I bought it. I don't think that it had. Joe and I both like Ecuadorian, uh, is it Ecuadorian Habano or Honduran? Ecuadorian Habano wrappers. Yeah. As opposed to Habano. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> as far as I know, it's Habano. Um, but we both like Ecuadorian Habano wrappers, generally speaking. And this is the first time I've ever smoked one where the binder is an Ecuadorian Habano and the wrapper is something different. And uh, Christoph being a Dominican company, it's interesting that the filler, it sounds like it's all Nicaraguan. So typically there's a lot of uh, Dominican filler and everything, but we'll, we'll see how this smokes. What do you think, what do you think so far in the seven and a half to 10 minutes we've well, had? We should recap some of the things that we've been sort of like saying off the record because okay. we kind of been, uh, started this, but like as soon as we started it, it was like instantly a little bit different pro- profile than we've been having previously. It wasn't as sweet on the front end, but it had all the elements of nice sweet things. I would, I would say, wouldn't you? Like, all immediately starting, we were getting chocolate, sort of a coffee chocolate, baking spice, um, all of those sort of like what we what were you saying? Like all the nice Nicaraguan qualities without any of the that sort of dirty taste. It's like a nice clean. Yeah, I, I typically generally think Nicaraguan tobacco tastes dirty. But this was like a good, dark earthiness that wasn't tasting dirty and had some of the nice things I like. And that was a real quick assessment. We hadn't smoked it very long. And I tended, I thought, and I'm not sure, but I thought I got a glass of coffee and Mm -hmm. a spicy pepper right up, right on the light, right at the front. And I don't know for sure if it was coffee, but we'll we'll, we'll smoke it a little longer and see. But it was just real interesting. So Definitely like coffee or or like... um, Cocoa, mm-hmm. baking cocoa, something in that family there. Pretty strong, still to still to now. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is coming from the Nicaraguan and how much is coming from the Mexican. Yeah. Because well, I don't I I don't recall smoking anything Mexican before. I, I don't either. Except for that one time, and that. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't tobacco. No. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good joke. Uh, funny, funny joke. So, um, I'm full of them today. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be good. It's, it surprised me when I realized I got the Decker Habano, but, uh, 
but the world's turning. We've got stuff to talk about besides tasting the cigar. So sure. we can, we'll can we go there for a little bit, and then we'll try to give you a little more details on what we're tasting. And, oh, did I say this is a Churchill? That's a long one, so it'll it'll well last out the podcast. That's Although it seems like it's going kind of quick. We may have been lit, what, 10 minutes so far? Yeah. And it's I've, my ash already dropped off. I was... I stood up and sat down. I don't know if I. I don't think you moved that much. Maybe, maybe you did, but it surprised me that yours dropped off. We'll see if mine drops off as soon. It felt like a very light cigar. Mm. I don't know. Did you notice that? Maybe I. I didn't think about it, but maybe I think I think you might be right. It doesn't feel heavily packed, but Mm -hmm. it's drawn drawn great too. So. Typically, if you have a heavy, heavy, dense one, you're going to be like, "Oh crap! Can can I draw through it?" You know, and Mm -hmm. that's that's the balance. That's what the good rollers have to learn to do, right? You know. And um, so, um, political world, personal world, anything, any, any things we want to jump right to? Well, I don't know. Something that caught my attention for sure is the whole Epstein thing. Whose attention hasn't it caught? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, a lot of chatter, and I think that there's a lot of really fun ways to look at this story. Um, but basically, if you get, if your only source of news is this podcast, for one, I'm sorry. But this, but you ha- so you may not have heard um, Jeffrey Epstein, sort of a longtime scumbag, uh, has has is he arrested? Is he in custody now? He's in custody. He's like in jail. He's in jail. It's my understanding. Yes. Okay. He's in jail. So and he's he's basically being charged with all these like a life of sex crimes and trafficking and all this different stuff. And uh, this is somebody that I don't know. I've been hearing about this guy for a long, like since the Clinton years. And uh, I don't know, have you known about him for a long time? Or I'm sure I've heard his name, but I probably wasn't following politics as much during sure. Clinton years. So if I had, it would have so, just disappeared. Yeah, he's this billionaire financier guy, and he's kind of known for this, like, the Lolita Express, I guess, this airplane that he would take people on these exotic uh, sexual adventures, if you will, I guess, or whatever you want to call them. And, allegedly. Uh, allegedly, <clears throat> which is... Pretty well documented, but anyway. So finally, he's getting taken to task, and the reason this encourages me is because we have seen during the Trump administration, and not everything always has to go back to Trump, but he has been behind the scenes, if you've been following numbers and things like that, has been totally cracking down on this sort of like illegal sex industry. He's been totally going, there's been more traffickers and abusers and you know child porn people and stuff like arrested during the trump administration than than like ever before and so what excites me is that there's long been rumors that this goes super super deep in hollywood you saw with the whole weinstein thing happen also under trump's whatever um but and in the government as well so i'm really kind of hoping that as far as like draining the swamp goes that we can really just start to shovel blow some of this stuff wide open that's my hope with this but certainly there's some people that are pretty nervous right now about about the epstein going down well yeah and it does seem like there are there are two stories wrapped around this one is just the story you know is is he really a dirtbag did he really do this and to what extent did he do it so that story that what has to be proved in court to, to convict him but then there's the kind of outlying story, which, you know, who were there other people that purchased services from him? And, you know, and, and here's the thing, being being a billionaire and running in those circles, 
you're going to run with famous people even if they didn't purchase your service. Right. So there's all of this, all these relationships and everyone saying, ooh, well, did, did this person do something bad and illegal mm-hmm. or did they just know it? Right. And I have to, this is, this is something I, I noted in my brain that I wanted to mention. So if you're sitting across the desk from someone or across the plane, wherever, face-to-face, with someone that gives you lots of money, um, it it's hard. Can you qualify that a little bit? It gives you lots of money. What do you mean? Okay. He donated to a lot of political people. Okay, sure. But I was the executive director of Youth for Christ, and on a much lower level, people were giving me lots of money. Sure. I sat across the table from people that were giving me $10,000 a year for three years. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. That sort of thing. Um, and I'm sure with him, it was probably... He, he was the donor sitting sure. across from people. He was giving away more than that too. There is a li- there is a tension, and on some level, you think it shouldn't. Like it seems morally like the tension shouldn't be there. Right. But if the person might be doing something wrong, you can't. It's probably there's a level of propriety, and I and I'm questioning it. That's why I'm bringing it up, mentioning it. But there's a level of propriety. What is my relationship with this person? Am I the guy that's supposed to say, "Hey, I heard this. I heard your." You're this kind of a dirtbag. Um, can you tell me it's not true? Um, you have to weigh the relationship and say, well, I don't necessarily want to... You see what I'm saying? It, the, the severity of the crime, the sever- you know, if I sat across the table from a donor and I think, oh, they might have like said, did something on their taxes and not claimed $5,000 or something, do I call them out on that as a Christian when they're donating to a Christian organization or do I let it slide? And maybe it's not even true. So, so this relational component, so all these people that may have been with him, so, it sounds like it was everybody knew that yeah. he did this, but people weren't calling him out. And I just, I guess I just want to mention that I don't want to give him a pass, but I do want to say from experience, it is hard to call someone out that might be writing you a really big check. And I'm not sure that it's necessarily your point, but, it, but you do have to weigh that yeah. realistically. Yeah, I mean... I- Really, it comes down to integrity, I guess. Whether you, by by receiving those funds, you are somehow associating yourself with those behaviors or what those behaviors are. You know, I mean, we've talked at length. You know, if it's if you're just following the tax code and you're squeezing out every nickel and dime you can, well, then that's one thing. But if you're openly, oh, there you lost your. I just lost my ash. If you're openly committing crimes, hurting people, or yeah. cheating, like openly, well, that's a different. And a lot of times, I think people like that will test you to see if you are trustworthy in their little illicit circle. Mm-hmm. They'll say they'll do some slight thing in front of you to see if you are gonna call them out on it or not. Well, and it, it can be a slippery slope, and, and then they feed you a little more, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm getting fed well here, so I better. Just turn turn a blind eye. Well, sooner or later, you find that you've been corrupted yourself. Yeah, and it, it was interesting that somebody went down a list. I can't remember who I was listening to, but somebody went down a list of donations that Epstein made. That was uh, it was either public or, or information that they took from someone. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. But there was a handful that were returned. Like he gave significant, like, way more money than I ever raised, and the people were like. No, we don't want your money. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's it sounds which so there was some of that going on, like integrity check here. And yeah, no, we're not going to take it. 
Yeah. So there there were two two to three in the list of I don't know ten to twelve you know over the last decade or longer couple decades that actually said no and gave significant amounts back. Yeah. It's it it's interesting because it it. It really is a true test of integrity, really, when somebody lays something in front of you that's, wow, that's really appealing. You know, we've had conversations like this on the job site, you know, somebody were to give you a million dollars, would you fill in the blank? And like when you're a young man, especially there's and you're kind of just generally wishy-washy anyway, (laughs) can I, can I say that? Can I admit that? But, uh, sometimes you're like, oh, a million dollars is a lot of money. Uh, but that's, I mean, whether it's a dollar or a million. It reminds me of really this. This is applicable. Uh-huh. Robbie Zacharias told a story once about a man on an airplane. I don't. I think he was reading an article. This was a was it an article? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Anyway, man and a woman on an airplane, uh-huh. and it's a long flight. They're riding next to each other, and they talk, exchange, you know, what they do, and everything like that. And it comes out that this man's very, very, very wealthy. Woman is not so much. Uh, whatever, She's a beautiful young lady, and he. Oh, he, you know the story. I think so. so, I think so I he, he basically, eventually along the lines, after they'd been sitting together and talking for quite some time, he said, listen, I'm a very wealthy man. Uh, I'm lonely on the road. He said, I'm willing to offer you a million dollars if you spend the night with me when we get to our destination. And the woman, you know, initially has, has a very strong reaction against that. But then as she begins to think about it and what that would actually do for her, um, she, she decides that she's going to accept the guy's offer. Well, then immediately, as soon as she accepts the offer, the guy says, well, I'll tell you what, I'm actually not quite as rich as I said I was. How about, you know, $100? And, and the lady gets really mad at that point and says, like, well, what do you think I am? And the guy says, well, I think we've already established what you are. We're just negotiating about the price. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, wow. What an illustration. I know. That, that's a great illustration. I remembered it. About halfway through your story, there I, mm-hmm. I heard it as well, and and it, it does say a lot. I mean, I'm I'm a person that uh, to a little bit to a negative level, I, I rate things by by money. Uh, it's it's really it's it's been a challenge for me my entire life um, to just to just let things let things go, and and sometimes in the last in the last decade, just giving someone a gift because. They were my friend. I liked them. That's been hard for me to do. It's like everything has to be a barter and exchange. So, um, being a person that's that much into money, I've, I've had questions like that come up. Gee, what you know, would I would I sacrifice things I really believe for for money? And um, it's easy on a podcast to say no, I wouldn't. Those are, you know, and that's really it's super interesting because there are some things that I think we can drift through life not knowing how corrupted we are until we're actually faced with faced with it or we're called out on it and then we're like oh man and then we have to make a decision whether we're going to continue to be or whatever these are hard things because we live in a society that's completely saturated with that mentality yeah status quo yeah and if it's if it's not money it's power i mean when you start when you really get into politics you you get to you see the power and I, i would actually say even on even to the people that i would align with politically i would say sometimes I see them longing for power in a bad way, and and I have to let battle. Well, gee, I, I want the power because I think what we're doing is right, but it can't be just about power because then it, when it's about control and power and it's no longer about what's right, it changes changes the the motive. 
I like the line from the Lord of the Rings when Gandalf is offered the ring by Frodo. And he says, listen to me, Frodo. While I would receive the ring or I would take it in a, how does he say it? Uh, with a desire to do good, through me it would wield power that couldn't be stopped, you know, or whatever, something like that. I think that's what power does. You know, we think that if we get power and we're good, then we're going to use the power for good. What we fail to realize is that that power in in and of itself has the power to ah, corrupt, corrupt us. Yeah, and I, I've been thinking about this in the background. I didn't intend to talk about this on the podcast, but the from my kind of libertarian tendencies, <clears throat> I really think a lot about the idea of force, um, forcing people to do things, and force is a little bit um, subjective because you can you can do things that encourages someone to, to change or to move in a certain direction, but is that force? And I don't want to get into that argument except to say um, the idea of having power to make somebody do something um, is, it, is a weird thing. It just seems better to let them freely do the wrong thing. All you can give them is information and care and perhaps encouragement. But it seems like once you put force into the situation, you it, if you're trying to force them to do something, to act in a certain way, that force crosses a line when it's no longer just, you know, encouragement or or information. And even to the point of laws, when I think laws should be laws aren't about forcing someone to act; they're about protecting someone else's rights. So, for, really, withholding actions of someone else so they don't violate. Rights. Yeah, you can't force virtue. Yeah, uh, you you can force or enforce evil. Or, you know what I'm talking about, like mm -hmm. against evil. Yeah, and I think that's what the law is for: is to enforce against evil to protect the freedom to to be virtuous. Well, you can only be virtuous freely. You can't be forced to do virtue. Right, and that's this could delve into another topic, and I I won't let it. But the idea of Taking my money and giving it to a poor Back person because they don't, yeah, <laughs> giving it to a poor person because they don't have enough. Yeah, you know that's that's not what it robs it of virtue. Yeah, it, it would be virtuous for you to take your money and give it to a poor person. Right, it's not virtuous to have someone take it at the point of a gun mm -hmm. in order to give it to a poor person. <laughs> exactly, we 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 definitely we've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, it's a little early, but let's go ahead and jump into the yeah. into the cigar update. I actually <laughs> went to do a. A retrohale and actually just a, less than 1% sucked a little bit back into my throat, which was uncomfortable because I didn't want to inhale it. Uh, but the accident <laughs> actually created a really interesting flavor profile back there in my throat. Um, and a really earthy, and I'm, I'm going to say coffee, and I might, yeah. I'm wondering, I'm questioning if it's coffee and cocoa both. You know how they can be so oh, similar? Yeah. I always try to separate. I yeah. Sometimes I don't know if you can even pick them yeah. apart. Because <clears throat> they, they do get to be pretty close. A little bit of subjectivity in some of those, for sure. But I'm, I'm getting as well. And that retrohale is a little burning. Just it's not like that last bad. cigar. Yeah. Was it that last one? It was just like so smooth. Oh, yeah. The last one was a super smooth one. <laughs> but, but a few of them, sometimes you blow through your nose, you're just like, woo, your yeah. eyes start to water. It's like, I kind of do it real tiny, yeah. a little small, just to get some taste. Yeah. yeah. And my eyes don't water with this one, but it does sting a little bit. Mm -hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't sting super bad. But, um, mm -hmm. So, so, the, so my comment on this right now, I'm going to call it coffee. 
and I'm I'm gonna say there's a I think there's a sweet fruitiness. Sometimes fruit and floral are similar. I'm gonna say fruit right now. I can't identify it. Pear, peach. I don't know. Just a hint in there. But there's a but it, it's interesting because it's very earthy, even though it's bringing out some of those typical kind of sweeter Dominican mm-hmm. flavors that I usually like. But it's so it's interesting that it's pulling that out. Yeah, it's really. I, there was one little puff a while back where I, was, I got that dirt, and it was just like all of a sudden, and then it was gone again. <clears throat> but it, this is like, I think, one of the least dirty cigars out of that. I don't know. Right. Well, yeah. There needs to be a, there's not like an official name for that, what we call dirt, that I dirty taste. Because, man, we definitely get it sometimes. But this one is like, it's the flavors are... The notes are red, right there, readily identifiable, and there's not a lot of like clutter to distract you to weed through. It's just clean. It's like a well-tended garden of cocoa. And there you go. I'm gonna step out a little bit here. I'm wondering if I'm getting a, just a nice breath of leather, kind of under under That's everything. Fair. Yeah, I think so. And and it's maybe and I, I I don't I don't dislike leather, but I can't say that I always want leather. This time this is pleasant. This is maybe one of the first times that this is pleasant. Maybe it's leather. I'm not sure yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm gonna quit quit reaching and see what you have to say. Yeah, I mean I, I think that I've really said all I need to. It, it's like it's like a well tended garden. I did yeah. get a little bit of that fruit when you were describing it. I was tasting while you were saying that, and I'm like, yeah, you could say like a peach or a, there's something something stone fruity maybe in there. Yeah. Um, but it blends very, very, very well with that cocoa, baking, spice. Uh, you could, I mean, I could see leather, you know, it's there, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure yet. Um, I, I do want to throw out something, and this is actually an idea for the listeners, but it's also an idea for us. There's some guy I watched a couple times who does like 60-second reviews. They're like like really fun, zippy, yeah, just super fast stuff and a lot of... Lot of fun, nifty things happening in his videos, 60-second cigar reviews. I can't remember what he's called, or I'd give him some kudos. But uh, he said in one of his videos that he actually went out and bought, like, a tasting chart that basically was this big circle that had pretty much all these suggestions of things you might taste. And he said it really helped because when you're reaching and you can't identify something, if you're kind of looking and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it right there. It helps to see those words. Mm-hmm. I, I do like sort of trying to be a purist, but it helps sometimes to get a little bit of a nudge in the right direction. Yeah. So um, you can learn a lot faster with some of those aids. I think. Yeah, I think you can too. Maybe maybe we should consider doing that. Yeah, so. I've seen those with coffee and with wine, but I've never seen a cigar charm before. So, we should build one. Yeah, build our <laughs> own. Doug and Joe's cigar tasting note charm. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. We're we're so famous already, we probably... Yeah, we watch this in a startup, maybe, you know? Yeah, you, you could, know. so... You never know. Mm. Well, um, I think we should go back to Epstein. Yeah, there's a few more things that we need to cover on that, I think. There, there are. Um, and one of, them, one of them touches on kind of a general thing that kind of sucks in our culture today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it the, like, erase, erasing of history. And I don't just mean taking down statues. I don't just mean taking information off a wiki, uh, what's it called, Wikipedia web, web page, but I mean just legitimately trying to misinform people by intentionally not <laughs> providing information that, that was real. 
I remember when I was talking to a pretty liberal Christian pastor once about truth, about reality with regard to, to scripture and, and life. And he said, the way he likes to phrase it is, something happened. When you're, when you're looking back, you can say something happened. When we were, ta- we were talking about the resurrection. And he, he was a little, being liberal, didn't want to make really blatant, clear statements about some things that I would be comfortable making, you know, blatant, clear statements about. But when we were talking about the resurrection, he said, yeah, I believe something happened. And he would say, I believe Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And he would, he would say that. But it was weird that he was real careful not to, you know, I'm pretty obvious to say, hey, this has this means something. It's really important. And he was a little less in your face about it than I was. But something happened in Epstein's past and in his present. <laughs> so the fact that there are people trying to change any race or at least not, not put forth that information is a sign of something bad. And... I tend to say it's bad currently in our culture, but maybe it's always been. Maybe the rich and powerful have always had relational connections where they could protect themselves and erase certain things and yeah. not let certain things be known. Well, I think it probably always has been like that. I think we have we find ourselves in a unique place in history where it is increasingly easy because I mean, you can if you can be buddies with Google or some of these powerful tech companies and just like memory hole some of this stuff and it just doesn't re- get returned on search results you know so now how are you going to search you're going to go old school to the library of congress and start digging through microfilms or whatever um from publications it, or court records or whatever you know it's a lot easier to just say oh this never happened there's no evidence of it yeah. and and memory hole it and by memory you know from 1984 they yeah. put the paper down the memory hole and it was like gone yes i know, um, I know. I okay know. yeah you knew but i didn't know but not you know, maybe everybody else some of the people but like, uh, so I think we find ourselves in a really unique place in culture where that happens, and and yeah, I think I guess I've always kind of been a person that I want to know the truth, even if that truth makes me uncomfortable. Oh wow, I got another ash, ash accident. That those ashes are falling off soon. Yeah, we'll we'll have are. to talk about that next update, which um, is fine. I'm not complaining. Yeah, uh, I missed the ashtray. I'm complaining about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go I've, I've always wanted to know the truth, whether or not it was what I wanted to hear. I've always felt like truth is something to be pursued, and not not something to be feared, but rather that it was sort of a doorway to true freedom, a doorway to um, yeah. Truth is a doorway to freedom, and for so many people, I think today, they have been told that there is no objective truth that they can define what truth is. Um, they are afraid of the idea of truth because to this to say no you're like if you've been told your whole life that you are basically god and you can can sort of like design your world and your truth and your reality around what you think it should be or want it to be to have that stripped away is a very scary thing and people will sort of hold on to that on some sort of like underlying subconscious or metaphysical level or whatever to where they're they're like shaking in their boots afraid of truth then they feed that um, process of let's get rid of it if it's unpleasant and it's not going to help what we want. Let's get rid of it because they don't believe that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. If there if there is no such thing as objective, absolute truth, and 
then that's that's their prerogative and that's what they want to do. They want to feed that ability to change what truth is. So I guess that's the thing that maybe frustrates me is how afraid people are of truth. And I'm like, hey, truth is good. Truth will set us free. And uh, that's aside from the whole idea of Christ as the truth. That's just like a, a, as a general thing. Like if you find out how things actually are, then we can be better. Um, I, I've talked about the that I believe in, in people's right to act in accordance with misinformation or their freedom to act wrongly. Um, and the, the fact that I, that I pretty much believe in that as long as it's not interfering with someone else's rights. Uh, Andrew Clavin ha- has said in the past that he he really believes in people's freedom to kind of do what they want. And he says, he, he will tell them that if you're living licentiously, if you're living this really loose life and not having any standards, it will harm you. It's bad for you. Your life will not turn out the way you want it to, but I think you should be free to do that and or, or change if you want or, or not. And I, I really like um, his approach because he's he's making a claim on reality and I think I like the word reality because truth kind of gets a bad rap sometimes but I do think they mean the same thing he said if, if you're not putting your life in connection with reality you're going to run into reality that you weren't expecting <laughs> eventually mm-hmm. and um, I, I like I liked that approach and it's it's kind of helped me communicate I think to other people in here and him say that because he doesn't he doesn't pull any punches he still basically almost like a dad sometimes says but that's wrong you're gonna regret it you're an adult go for it you know well <laughs> and then and we're dancing around a central component and i think it's the final component is that a lot of times people who um wave the flag of truth and say this is the truth and you should join it you, you know whatever it is they forget that it's out of, not force, but out of love, that we want people to choose the truth. And I think love is like another misunderstood and misconstrued subject, but it's not that we hate um, people who live in delusions. Mm -hmm. It's that we we love them and we want more for them, so therefore we encourage them, out of love, to accept the truth. And that's, I think if you lose sight of that, then it becomes this kind of like, go do what you want. No, I love you. I want you to choose what's right, you know? And you, while you have the freedom to choose what's wrong, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do what's right because I care about you. I love you, you know? Yeah. And I've said before, it comes down to who, who you trust. You know, who yeah. you're gonna, who you, and you're going to trust somebody. Uh-huh. I think Bob Dylan said serve. You're going to serve somebody, but it's still it's about trust. You're going to believe something. You're going to live a certain way. Um, so this all started from the rewriting of kind of, of history and things. And it's related, even though we kind of went philosophical on it, it's related to to Epstein in that, at least on the small, small level, but big, big impact that his, uh, his Wikipedia page has been altered and someone actually took a snapshot, uh, of it before the. Alteration. Everything is cached. I know. Nothing is <laughs> I know. So someone does have, have proof, and they're like, "Well, you know, here's here's what it used to say. Now here's what it doesn't what say." What did they now. change? Out of curiosity. Um, I, I don't remember all the details, but it was something something to do with bad things in his history. You know, things that. And is it true? I don't trust Wikipedia anyway. But the fact that they think they somebody felt like they had to change it to protect him or to do whatever. Yeah. Um. Was was one thing. Um. 
but there, there, people smarter than me in some podcasts have been saying there, there's a twist that's happening in this story kind of behind the scenes, and it looks like what they're trying to do, and I think I believe this, but I don't have enough details, and you may have heard it, but they're trying to twist it away from this guy being in with all these Democrats and all these Democrats being banned. They're trying to twist it and erase some of that to say, oh, look, here's this connection to Trump. Yeah, I think that. I wanted to make sure that we hit that before yeah. we left the Epstein thing. I think that, I absolutely think that's what they're trying to do with this. And you know what? It wouldn't necessarily surprise me if oh. Trump did something bad like that. I don't think he did. I don't think he did as either. As straight-laced as he is, he doesn't drink, he doesn't do it. he doesn't do anything. It, you know, it, it seems that he does have this edge to him, though, that is sort of, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he paid Adidas a million dollars to put a middle finger in the middle of the Betsy Ross flag to and sold a different brand of shoes and said, hey, you know, I mean, it wouldn't surprise, maybe it would, maybe yeah. he's not quite that crass, but it's just... He's like, don't don't push me around, kind of, you know, and I don't know. Um, maybe he's more moral I than, think, I, than I think he is. I, okay, here's the, here's the thing. I don't doubt for one second that that is exactly what they're going to try to do to twist this Epstein thing mm-hmm. and try to make it look like buddy buddy with Trump because that's they don't have anything left. Yeah. However, I I've said this before and I stand with it. If there was anything like that in Trump's history, we would have known about it by now. Probably. I mean, like, they tried to pin on him, like, women, like, illicit affairs or whatever already, and it doesn't stick. If there was something like pedophilia or something going on, like, like we're hearing from some of this Epstein stuff, oh, man, it would have been out. It would have been blown open before the, before the election, I think, before the first election. I, I think you're, I think you're probably right, and... Again, we're in a, we're in this culture though that that does that we're about the narrative, and so the allegation sort of is all that matters. All you got to do is throw out the allegations, and it's going to turn some people. Mm-hmm. And people have short memories; they do, they're not paying attention. Yeah, I I, I agree. So um, if you can prove it, and it comes, you know, if you can prove it, and it comes out, we'll deal with it. Whatever. Um, that one thing that did cross my mind, I, I wondered if they if some folks wouldn't want to push it too much because um, on the other hand, it could turn out, it could, because Trump's so good at flipping the bad against them, it could just look like, look, you're attacking me, and it's not true. It could actually kind of roll the wrong direction. It's like, I just don't, I like to think there are people on the opposite side that aren't idiots, that are relatively reasonable people, that are thinking, look, this is going to look bode badly for us if we try to push this because there isn't proof. Um, you know, everybody forgot about Kavanaugh. They, they tried to hammer that, and I really think that them just ended up looking like jerks. Looking <laughs> like idiots. And liars. Yeah, and that didn't win them any favors. Yeah, um, they lost ground, I think. Every time they've tried to do something, they've lost ground. So, we can only hope that, that can, that's going to continue. That's a continuing trend, I hope. Yeah, and and I, I always feel like the disclaimer that I'm I don't necessarily trust all Republicans either. Although yeah. I'm happy to stand, you know, well, stand, reason, stand with them. That's the know. reason we like I like Trump is that he's the anti-Republican. Yeah. He's not he's not toeing the party line and and playing their insider politics games. That's what I hated for so long. I mean, he's he's a third party candidate that just positioned himself well in one of the majority parties yeah. so that he could get on 
on the ticket. I didn't agree with you at first, by the way, when that went back in 2016-ish, early on. I, you know, and you were saying, I don't know, he might be the one. <laughs> like, you know, because he's kind of he's kind of the outlier. And I'm, but I, but I think I think it's been good, generally speaking. So I've been wrong about uh, so far about Warren though. Uh, she kind of just I don't know. Sounds like she might be on the downward spiral. How come I didn't? I didn't hear. I actually heard kind of the contrary. So. Oh really? Well, yeah. Maybe I'm writing down. Oh. But uh, I've been hearing a lot more uh, from Kamala Harris. They've been pushing her a lot more than they have Biden now. And I mean, she's the she's the flavor of the week or month or whatever. So I, I don't know much about her, honestly. I've been hearing, you know, just a lot of a lot of negative. Yeah, I do. Do we want to go there? That I'll go there this far as to say. Um, I think I agree. I, I heard that it looks like Bernie's kind of trending down, yeah. and that it would make sense that Bernie supporters would jump to Warren. That's why I would think Warren maybe isn't going down. I do think Kamala Harris appears, choosing my words carefully, appears to fit what the more radical folks would want. Okay. I don't know that she really does, but she appears to. I'm, I just assume they put Bernie out. Because, because I don't think you'd stand a chance in America. America does not want to be socialist. They don't want to be communist. You know, even the, even the long-time Democrat, I don't think they'd vote for Bernie. Hmm. Or Kamala. Or Warren. If they're, if they're that far left. If they have, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to call right now. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see more, more yeah, there. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, uh... We're gonna go next. Uh, I, I'm gonna be, because there's a couple minutes before the cigar update. I'm gonna ask you. I learned something, and it's like, you know, I take the information I have and I process, and I try to like to think I'm smart, but then I realize, oh wait, I didn't know that. <laughs> I learned something to, yesterday, and that I didn't know. But when there, there there's different types of of law, and you were helping me understand this. But what I learned is that if if someone is, for instance, uh, we'll say something serious, really serious, like rape. It's not the victim against the rapist. It's actually the people against the rapist because in our society, that's a, something that we've chosen to have illegal. So it's the people against the rapist, not the victim, which I never thought about the, the difference of that. But that's a huge difference because it's not an individual then. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a crime against us as criminal society. Yeah. And so... Uh, um, if you want to say a little more about that, because you were telling me there are a couple different kinds of civil law and something else. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, we had some pretty, we started a couple of really good conversations before we started the podcast, actually, about law and about how it works. We talked about plea deals a little bit, which we should go back to that. We should, Epstein, we'll come back to that. Epstein had a bad plea, plea deal before about some of this. We'll come back to that after we start back to this. Yeah. But yeah, there, there are two different types of law. There's criminal law, and then there's civil law. And if you remember back, okay, so like, yeah, if you commit a crime against society, that's something that's codified into law. Like, you know, don't rape, don't steal, don't kill, you know, uh, don't destroy other people's property, don't destroy, destroy public property, you know, keep the peace, stuff like that. Don't drink and drive, all that kind of stuff. Stuff that we have we have made into law that we enforce, That's that would be the state or whatever the state is, whether it's a federal law or sure. a state or whatever, um, versus that person prosecuting them against the criminal code or the code of that land or whatever. But civil law is a little different. Civil law is when it is a person versus a person. You're basically suing someone for 
for civil damages. So, like, if I commit a crime, let's say I commit the crime of um, driving while intoxicated, and I smash into your house, ah. I'm going to get charged with driving while intoxicated and criminal negligence, or, I mean, like, whatever the state decides to charge me with. But then I'm also going to get charged civilly, because mm. you're going to bring suit against me and sue me for damages that, you, that I might activity incurred and that's you know famous case and i mentioned it before we started was this the oj simpson case he lost or he won his criminal case he was found not guilty but he was found guilty of civil damages in the civil case he was found guilty so um some people you know if you don't understand the two you can think okay well he was found guilty and that's it no 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 like there's generally speaking there's almost always civil damages to a crime if there if there's a victim Sometimes the victim is just the state. You know, if you get pulled over for driving while intoxicated and your car's towed, well, then that's the end of it. There's not going to be civil charges right. because you didn't destroy anybody's property. But if you, if somebody is injured or if there's a victim in the sense of they're hurt or killed or maimed or property is destroyed, there's going to be a civil case too. Yeah. And I, I think, and this is short comment because I'm not a lawyer and I'm not very smart in this, but... When I make a lease for a tenant, I think that's even a different type yet. That's actually would be like a contract law thing. It would be civil though. It would be civil yeah. still, but it would be yeah specifically contract. Mm -hmm. And uh, if if you know I didn't something wasn't clear and I wasn't meeting my end of the bargain or they weren't meeting their end of the bargain, so yeah, okay. Now it's all handled in civil courts. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's do this update. Mm. This is an interest. I'm. I'm surprised that I'm liking this. That's 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 what's fun about this cigar. It is because when I first lit it, I was like, oh, that's different. I don't know if I'm going to like this one. But it's I've really warmed up to it. So, I, uh, I am gonna, I'm going to say there's leather. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to it. Say there's leather now. And I I wish the fruitiness was a little stronger. That, that sweet fruitiness is a little too much in the background, but I like it. I can taste it enough. Um, and I'm going to call it coffee, although that's still, it's one of those, like, I'm splitting hairs. Coffee, coffee or cocoa, yeah, one of the two. Um, but it's, it's kind of tasted, there's a little more dark and burntness to it, so that's why I'm going with the coffee instead of cocoa. I suppose you get a burnt cocoa, too. But... Do they roast cocoa beans before they grind them? I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out. I don't know. Do they dark, I mean, can you get dark roast dark chocolate? Roast? Ooh, I don't know. Well, you can, you can get dark chocolate, but that's different. That's, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. So... I'm going to stick to that and say they're, so far it's been fairly consistent. I actually think it's maybe gotten just a little darker, a little, maybe the leathers come up a bit and the fruit has maybe dropped a tad. Just I would agree with that. We're almost at the halfway point. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of coming on my final third, I think. Okay, so you're, you're burning. It's been a quick burning cigar, even though it was a Churchill. Mm -hmm. It's kind of was light in the hand and the ash dropped off quick. It's kind of been a faster burning cigar. I don't know if that has to do with the tobacco or... Um, it, and it, it could just be the if it's not packed really full, and you and I think you were right. I didn't think of it until you mentioned it, but the fact that it feels light, I think it's not a very dense cigar. Maybe a little less than normal, and that's okay um, because I'd rather have it a little lighter. Oh yeah. Than, and have the draw do it. Yeah. You know, if you get you start cramming yeah. too much in it, the draw gets tighter. It, it wasn't too. It's not too fast of a draw because I've had a few cigars where it's like you're drawing through a straw. There's yeah. nothing there. So I feel like, and I, honestly. It can be a benefit to have a faster smoking Churchill, I think, because there have been a couple of Churchills where I was like, I'm done by the time I get to the final third. You know, yeah. I'm just, I'm full. Um, 
But I would agree that the fruitiness is going by the wayside. It's still really sweet, still getting that coffee or chocolate. Real nice and strong. I think that's the dominant flavor for me. I think the leather may be coming up a little bit, but it's staying clean on the palate to me. And it's, uh, yeah, it's staying pretty consistent. It's not yeah. changing a lot. Um, we didn't talk about oil. There's a nice amount of oil. It, the, the wrapper just uh, right. is, is, is shiny, but it's, yeah, it's not, it's not I, I love a lot of oil. This is just average amount of oil, what I would expect. It's nice. Um, I also wanted, what was else was I going to mention? Oh, I think I've been talking a little more than you. And so that might be why yours is burning more, but I'm going to try to draw a little faster just to see if speeding up the heat is going to change the taste a bit in this next, in this next round. And so we got to, we got to go back to, uh, plea, plea bargaining and, yeah. and you, if you want, you can give some details of what you know about Epstein's. Well, I don't know too much about <clears throat> Epstein's specific plea bargain. Um, I just know that somebody in the Trump administration is under fire right now, and Trump defended them because apparently they were part of brokering some kind of what they're calling a sweetheart plea deal on Epstein from prior sex abuse allegations. Which a plea deal, I mean, you're, dude, if you're taking a plea, you're guilty. I, at least in my estimation. Um, so, I mean, that kind of adds to my dislike and distrust of Epstein, but... I just, my biggest uh, comment was on plea deals as a whole. I just, I just don't like them. I think that they should be used way less often. Where I think um, prosecutors now really like plea deals because they guarantee a win. Mm-hmm. But a lot, lot, lot of bad guys get off with a slap on the wrist because they'll plead to something. And the prosecutor's like, okay, well, we get the win. And the guy goes back out on the street. Yeah. It, it irritates me to no end. There is there is another side, and I'm only about sixty percent sure of what I heard. So check me on this, not sure. just you, but anybody listening. I think I heard that Acosta, which I think is the guy that's coming under fire, not Jim Acosta, but the, the okay. other whatever the other guy is that, that's kind of on Trump's team that Trump's been defending. I think he basically said, because I'm pretty sure it was a clip from him. He was kind of saying that they. They were. They, he was pretty sure they would lose the plea, the case if they didn't. They, they like like he couldn't. Didn't think they could prove it. So there's another. The other side, which I still don't like necessarily, was I think his reasoning was we're going to lose this case if we don't plea it down. Um, because, and that doesn't mean he's not guilty. That means they can't prove he's guilty. And so in that particular instance. You like to think that that prosecutor, he had to make a call. And he said, okay, we're going to make this call. And he's doing what he thinks is best. What He's looking at the information. He's making a professional judgment saying, I want to get this guy on something. Mm-hmm. And that may be the case. And especially when you're talking about a multi-billionaire that's connected with a bunch of high yeah. people, maybe that was the best they could do. And that's unfortunate because it, what it says to me is, if they were looking at that and said we didn't think we could win that case, to me, what I'm what I'm hearing, and maybe this is jumping to conclusions, but what I'm hearing is this guy was too too rich and too well connected for us to process, to like get a guilty verdict, so we had to plea it down. That that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and I think that like this this trickles down to even a local level. Some of the some of the county prosecutors and local prosecutors um, are doing a lot of pleading down too. When <coughs> 
it seems like if we're going to have laws and we're going to enforce laws, we yeah. should be able to do it. And even if that takes like once a month, all the law enforcement get briefed by the local prosecutor on, hey, we need to shore this up, make sure when you're you know collecting evidence, we do this. These are some problems that we're having in court right now. You know, to open up those lines I think of communication. I think that I'm happens. sure it does happen. I'm sure it does happen. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's a tough thing because there's part of me that wants to say if this is the law and you can't prove it, then don't 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 plea it down. But I understand the, the logic between yeah. behind. Well, we want to at least get him off the street for a while. At least get something on his record that's negative. Maybe next time that'll help us. Yeah. I, I get the logic. There's something I can't and I can't explain it. All I can say is philosophically, there seems to be something wrong with pleading down. Yeah. It seems like it would more often benefit the guilty, the guilty person. Than benefit society. I agree. <clears throat> so, I think I think we'll both stand there, and maybe I'm I'm not smart enough. I don't think to argue any more than that. Um, well, it's just it's like there's so many layers, you know, because you have like the law enforcement people, whether that's like federal law enforcement people or local or whatever, they're looking for bad guys, making cases and making arrests. They do the best they can. The judge has to. I mean, unless you have probable cause, the judge has to sign a warrant saying, "Okay, you have probable cause." And to make an arrest, and so, I mean, at that point, it's hard because the, the, the officer, whether they're Secret Service or FBI or county sheriff or whatever, they're going to make the arrest as soon as they feel like they have probable cause. Mm -hmm. And so, you can't fault them for that, but... And, and that's, that's a tough job. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just arresting somebody... First of all, just, you know, and then prosecuting, and that's, that's tough stuff. I, I do want to throw out just a little bit of a, a shout-out to, not shout-out, but uh, give some credit to a series I watched. And I do kind of dislike it when people use fiction to say, well, this is how things are in the real world. So, disclaimer right up front, the series Blue Bloods. Um, my wife and I watched eight seasons of it in the last few years, and we were just drawn in because... Um, it was an interesting, first of all, just an interesting crime drama, but they dealt with fictitious issues that are real issues in real life, and there was a good banter back and forth between somebody trying to do what's right but wondering for sure if that was, there's all kinds of that happening because it's this, if you don't know the premise, it's just, it's a family. One of them's the um, father is the police commissioner, grandfather, former police commissioner, the whole family's involved either as a cop or as a lawyer somewhere. And so when they sit around Sunday afternoon <laughs> table for dinner, they talk about these issues that they're dealing with in day-to-day -day life. And it's really interesting because they have a good, you hear all the, all, the sides. all the political sides. Yeah. They, they didn't, they did a good job of not really making it particularly partisan. Although I would say it's probably a generally a conservative um, show, but it was, they, they didn't pull any punches on letting everybody kind of have their say. That's cool. And so it was, it was really good. Well, it's neat to, to have people, and you know, I, I agree that fiction isn't always the best, but if it can, if stories can help people have an understanding of, of the processes, that's good. Amen. I, I'm glad you said that. Um, so, um, a couple places we can go in the last few minutes, if we want to, if we want to stay on this, that there was something generally that I wanted to kind of talk about. Someone mentioned that in the allegations of Epstein that 
he was taking advantage of underage women that, and they mentioned the phrase that were particularly vulnerable to his advancements. And it made me think, um, you know, as a parent, the way I raise my girls, I, I would, I want to do it right. I'm pretty sure I am as best I can. I, I really think they wouldn't be vulnerable. But we have this culture that doesn't, that, that by default sometimes puts parents in a situation where they're not allowed to teach their kids a certain sort, not allowed. I mean, they are, they can do what they want, but there's this pressure in our culture to, to not teach kids certain things. And it just, it kind of, this note of compassion kind of welded up in my heart. I think, gosh, that, you know, we want to prosecute somebody like this because of those people that are vulnerable, but even taking a step back further than prosecuting Epstein, I'd like to see the culture change. So there are less vulnerable women. I mean, how many, I mean, God, why would, forgive me for saying gosh is what I should have said. <laughs> why would a 14 year old girl go in for, you know, getting paid several hundred dollars to, you know, with an older guy up to his apartment. That's just, that's wrong on several levels. Just you're, it's completely unsafe and wrong. Just bad things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Um, it, it, the fact that somebody would do it for a few hundred dollars. And then when they get there, they can earn a few hundred more if they go recruit somebody else. The, the whole idea of that, there, there's something wrong in our culture that won't, that dis, that tries to disallow people from putting certain standards in girls' lives saying, look, don't be free with your sexuality. Don't go up to a guy's apartment with him, no matter how nice he is, you know? Yeah. Uh, those, they just, I get, I don't want those vulnerable girls to, I don't want that type of girl to exist. I want the girl to exist, but have a better moral compass that won't allow her to do those kind of things. It's hard because, well, I mean, I don't know if this is basic psychology or anthropology or what it is, but... The, the people that are really bad or really good at being bad, whatever you want to say. Dropped my cash again, and it burnt my hand this time. Ouch. Go ahead. <laughs> um, the, the whole idea of creating a crisis or creating a vulnerability, they're good at it. You know, I mean, you might have the most secure young lady that's been raised and told everything that's right and all the right reasons. Ooh. Um, somebody that has intent to harm her, or him for that matter, because this yeah. goes on for which way you can think of, um, can create vulnerabilities by questioning those people's basic assumptions, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, just to walk up to a, a beautiful young lady and say, or in some way, um, call her attractiveness into question. Yeah. You know, say she's ugly, or get somebody to say she's ugly. Boom. You've instantly created a vulnerability that can be exploited by these bad people. And it's just that easy. And so, I mean, you can. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's why. Reality. That's why when my when my wife and I are talking about raising our daughters, because I have four daughters and that's all I have. I don't have any boys. Um, you know, we talk about it's. We want them to trust us more than anything. So I would hope someday if somebody calls into question one of my daughters, you know, beauty or anything, they'd just be like. You're a complete stranger. <laughs> My papa thinks I'm thinks I'm pretty, and they wouldn't think twice. Um, I hope sounds you know. good on paper. Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm hoping, but but that's why it's the point is it's about trust. If she trusts me and she doesn't trust that stranger, that's what I want. 
that's what I want. Right. And uh, so that ash fell off, and it's going to leave a mark on my index. Oh, man. That actually, it actually burnt that. First time I've ever burnt myself with a cigar, I think. Um, but in because we'll need to close the cigar here um, and close the podcast shortly, I do want to mention um, it's fun to get a long ash, but this is definitely not a long ash cigar. Sure it's going to fall off, and I wish I would have tapped it in the ashtray more before it burnt my finger. But, oh well, I like the cigar. So yeah. I wonder um, if they're all like this or just this pair. I mean, oh, I, I imagine they're probably all pretty the same. I would say they're all going to be consistent. Judging by the draw, it's and it's just not it's not packed super tight. It's so the ash is falling off a little looser. That's okay with me. I, I don't care about the ash, anything else, but the taste. And I'm liking what I taste. So I'm going to make the call on the final final cigar wrap here. I'm going to say as I tried to heat mine up a little. It actually got sweeter, and the coffee um, coffee got a little deeper. So the coffee and the sweet both were kind of amped up. And I think the leather actually was less as I, as I tried to heat it up, tried to catch up with you a little bit. Um, so I'm going to stick to everything else we said. I just wanted to mention that about speeding it up a little, yeah. change that taste. What else do you want to say in that? Um, I agree with smoking this at a pretty good cadence because <clears throat> there were times when I slowed down to talk or whatever, and that leather did come right up and the sweetness came down. I think it does keep it a little bit sweeter if you keep after it a little bit. Not to say you don't want to chug, chug a lot along, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it, all in all, it's just been, I've enjoyed this so much more than I thought I was going to when we first lit. Yeah. Nothing new, though. It's, I mean, good earthy cigar. I mean, mostly earthy, but it's pulling in some of the sweet. So, yeah, I'm, I'm digging it, too. So, here's here's what we're supposed to taste. I, I love the second word. Expect luscious. luscious. Luscious notes of chocolate, leather, and spice with a wonderfully rich, dark, roasted java core. Oh, so they mentioned chocolate and coffee both. There you go. And we're trying to split hairs. That's a chocolate. Leather spice. Well, they didn't mention any fruit. But I think the fruit was definitely there. I was I was getting it. I, would, I was getting. I would, can I just have a personal preference? Yeah. I, I so wish they would just say a wonderfully dark, rich, or sorry, I'm reading sideways. Wonderfully rich, dark, roasted coffee core. Yeah. Being in the coffee industry, when they say Java, I think specifically coffee from Java. I don't think that's oh, what they're meaning. Yeah. No, I don't so, think they do either. <clears throat> so yeah, I think that. Although coffee from Java, interestingly enough, has leaves a tannin taste. Oh. Unlike any other coffee. So, I mean, I guess maybe they aren't speaking specifically Java. Ah. Maybe. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't think about tannin when I'm smoking. By the way, the, the burn, the burn I mean, was perfect, by the way. We didn't mention that either. I, Did yours get I knocked my ash off a couple of times that got my burn wonky. Okay. That was, it was totally my fault, but I didn't want okay. to happen what you were having to happen. So. Oh, I did have to correct it one time. All right. And now I've got a little bit of a thing there, but it's okay. nothing, well, to, nothing to write on. And I'm still, you know, we're... Up close to an hour here. I'm I'm wanting to finish it. We'll we'll see what happens in the next ten minutes or so. But I bet we got another ten minutes left. Yeah. All right. Well, that's we're gonna call that a wrap today. There's more we can talk about, but we got next week. We'll come back and talk about more next week. Uh, this has been Doug and Joe Talk.com. Talk to you next time.